so we're not trying to create a life that lives up to someone else's expectations. We're trying to create a life that works in your space. So what works for you? What stories are you telling yourself and old narratives that you're stuck in because of something that's happened in the past? Like, oh, well, I have to be like this, or I have to get these things done. I will tell you one of the greatest things I stopped doing because I thought it was the right thing to do is go to bed with all the dishes done. For me personally, that doesn't work. I can go to bed now with the dishes in the sink and I know that they will still be there in the morning. And while I'm making my breakfast, I love the dishwasher. So for me, just making that one little shift was huge. So stop comparing yourself and be open to stepping into a new way of thinking. What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raising Adults podcast. If you are new with us, we want to give you a special welcome. And as many of you know, we usually are together in Kira's laundry room, but we are still recording remotely. So we're coming to you partly from Kira's laundry room and partly from my bonus room today. And today we have the privilege of welcoming Andrea Dahlman. And what's going to be really great about this conversation, I'm going to give her a proper introduction in a moment, but what's great is she's going to really share with us some important tips about creating margin. And I think we can all use that as parents. We get so busy and so overwhelmed and we're just running around like crazy and we all need help to find practical strategies for creating room for living a life that we love. And I have to say, personally, I'm thrilled and honored to have her because she is my nutritionist and has helped me a ton with all kinds of things, which could probably be their own episode on the foibles of Dina. But she has helped me make friends with food and just live a great, healthy life. And so I'm so thrilled that all of you parents out there get to learn from her today because she is a wealth of knowledge and it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm so excited because when you mentioned the idea of having her on, I thought what really struck me about what you were saying is that we have this opportunity now as we're reemerging to be really thoughtful about, well, what do we want life to look like now? What are we going to put back in? What are we going to keep out? Um, And so that idea of margin and that idea of kind of just being really thoughtful about what can we do moving forward to feel more successful, happier, healthier, more well, I just think that's a, a fabulous thing to be talking about right now. That's exactly it. We're really uniquely positioned for that. And we're going to definitely pick Andrea's brain about that for sure. So I'm going to properly introduce her and then we'll get into our interview. But thank you for being with us today, Andrea. Say hello. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so glad that you're here. So Andrea is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and she has some specialties. She specializes in digestive health and IBS and has been in practice for almost a decade now. And she really helps her clients not only with that piece, with the physical health, but like I said at the top, she also helps address underlying issues. She is amazing at coaching important lifestyle changes, and she educates and empowers and partners with her clients so that they can make sustainable changes. Andrea's goal essentially is returning people to a life they love, of course, free of digestive challenges, but also that includes the things that make them mentally and emotionally healthy and happy too. So 
Welcome, Andrea. And I'm I'm hoping you would start by just sharing with our listeners a little bit of a personal introduction to maybe tell us about your family. How did you even get into this work? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Again, thanks for having me. It's such a privilege to be here today. Um, a little bit about myself. I am a wife of 28 years to my wonderful husband, Jim, and I am a mom to four kids. I have four kids ages 25 down to 15. And I'm actually just recently found out that I'm going to be a grandma. So my <gasps> oldest daughter who is married is pregnant and we are expecting our first grandchild in October. So congratulations. Yeah, so thank exciting. you. I know. I can hardly believe I've made it to grandma status, but here I am. <laughs> Bully embracing my grandma-ness. Um, the big controversy in our house is what will be my official grandma name. So um, we're still out for out for discussion, but we're working through that right now. <laughs> That's the hot dinner time topic. Yes, the um, title is essential, right? Yes, because it's the forever title, right? It's mm-hmm. like when you you know you get it and it's forever. So I tried a couple of different things, but I've been shot down. So we're still like a good for debate. <laughs> But um, anyway, I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and I specialize in digestive health, but that was how I got there isn't really where I started. Where I started and how I got into this work was really out of um, love for my husband. He was suffering from a history of migraines and sinus issues, and he was going in for his fourth sinus surgery. And at the time, we asked the doctors, we were like, you know, this is like super uncomfortable and this feels really risky because he had to have an MRI where they scanned where his brain um, was versus where his sinus cavity was. And I thought, you know, this doesn't really feel like we should do this again. And so I asked the doctor, I was like, what are we doing wrong? You know, what what do we need to do to not come back? And his answer essentially to us was, we don't, we're not really sure. So we'll see you next year. And I was like, you know, that is just not a good answer for me. And so, you know, I have four kids and I'm thinking I don't want my husband to suffer. So long story short, um, I ended up going back to school. Originally, when I had gone to school the first time um, out of high school to college, I thought I was going to be a registered dietitian. And that didn't end up being what happened. But it wasn't until and I always had a love for food. So when I was doing all of the research and thinking about it, I said, oh, God, I think we're eating something or something's not right with the food piece. So when I um, did all my homework, I found that we were doing things wrong and kind of adjusted the diet and changed things around. And I'm happy to say that he has never had that fifth sinus surgery and does not suffer from chronic migraines any further. So that was you know, a huge win for our family me going back to school, but how I ended up like doing it for a real job is people started asking questions. And he's like, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for you to like do this for real, like, like help other people. And I was like, well, okay, I'll try. uh, (laughs) You know, nine years later, here I am still, still chipping away at it, helping people. Wow. That's such a cool story. I love that. It's amazing how often you hear that, that like food, 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 like what we put in our body and how it affects us. And that's just a, a remarkable story. Yeah, it's been quite quite the journey for sure. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So I'd love to talk a little bit about how this links to parental self-care because I know that, you know, this is these two things blend for you, right? The nutritional piece is the main component, but there's also all this stuff about how do we live well and take good care of ourselves. So I'm kind of curious if you can talk a little bit about why taking care of ourselves as parents is so important beyond, you know, what we might obviously think and why that feels so extra difficult when we're in full on parenting mode. Because I know 
you know, I'm a preacher of self-care. Dina and I have a whole episode on self-care and how important that is. And we are in full-on parenting mode right now. <laughs> and self-care yes. self-care has been a challenge. So talk with us a little bit about that. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, conversation around parenting specifically, but I would say even for people who are not parents, so if there's any non-parents ever listening, is that in order for the body to heal and do all of the things that it needs to do, it needs to be in what's called a parasympathetic state. And parasympathetic is when we are in rest, digest, and restore. And when our body is experiencing stress or we're constantly in go, go, go mode, that's the sympathetic nervous system. And that overrides our body's ability to rest and restore. So self-care is really important because it's taking a powerful moment of pause and saying, I'm going to allow for my body to be in that parasympathetic mode. I'm going to allow for my body to digest the foods that I've eaten and restore things that are needing repair. So that's one of the main reasons why it's important for us to take care of ourselves. And a lot of people for many years, especially parents, we run ourselves ragged. We run ourselves to the end of ourselves, you know, all dying on the cross of, you know, I'm doing it for my kids. But if we are not taking care of our mental and physical health, will be out of balance. And that's going to really affect our wellness, overall wellness. And I do say, I kind of have a joke with my clients. I say, you know, your health is a pay now or pay later situation. So you are either going to take the time now and build these things into your life, or the bill will come due. And that when the bill comes due later, it oftentimes will mean more serious consequences. And we want to avoid that. So taking those little moments now, even though it might feel self-indulgent, um, is really important to your long-term health. And it's hard for us as parents because we're nurturers and we want to give. It's just like innate in us. We want to be in a place of giving. But parenting is like an energy train, right? And little people demand all this physical energy and our older kids demand all of this emotional energy. And it just is, it can be so incredibly stressful. So we have to build in these moments of self-care and when I say that, I'm sure there are some mothers listening and thinking to myself or to themselves, like, oh, I don't even know where I would do that. Like that, I want it, but where? How do I even make that happen? Especially in the life that we're living right now, where you know we're working at home and and you know schooling our kids and trying to you know figure out when we're going to go pick up groceries and toilets are you know still need to be cleaned and all the things. You know, it feels very overwhelming for sure right now. For, yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, I think people are listening and going, "Exactly, that's me. I'm at the end." So <laughs> that's this what is, I'm thinking. <laughs> this is a perfect segue because we, when we do feel at the end of our rope, I think, you know, it is about kind of creating systems that can set ourselves up well. So, can you tell us how do we create an environment that will set us up for success in this area? What do we need to do? So one of the exercises that I have my clients do, parent or not, is to make a done list. And what I mean by that is instead of making a do list, what all the things you need to do, make a list of what you've done and make it very um, detailed. Uh, everything that you do from, you know, you got up and you, you know, spent this much time in the bathroom and really take an inventory of how you're spending your time. Because a lot of us, don't can't find space because we don't know how we're spending the time that we currently have. If you think about your money, 
we all have a bank account, most of us, right? And we want to go buy a house or a car or some major purchase. We have to evaluate how much money we have in the bank. We look at our bank ledger. What are we spending our money on? That's the same thing with our parenting time. Okay. So when we look at it and say, you know, how much time does it take for you to do this and this and this and all the different activities, whether it's schooling and work and, you know, going to get the groceries or all the things, we can sit down at the end of that time away from that space and look at it and evaluate what of those things are actually creating the life I love and which of the things are draining me. Now, some things are inevitable. Like for me, I'm never not going to wake up and not be the mother of my four children and soon to have grandchild, right? That's my life. But there may be these little spaces, these little spots where you could say, you know what? Maybe that's not a good way for me to be spending my time, that little activity right there. And you might find that, and especially if you do this, you know, ideally, I like to say 48 hours, really chronicle your time. If you can do it over a week, that's even better, especially if it's like, it's kind of like instead of doing a food journal, you're doing a done journal, you know, what have you done? Um, And it's interesting comparing it to what you would make for your to do list to kind of evaluating that. But, you know, that's like level 201. So don't worry about that. (laughs) Just work on the done list, evaluate how you spend your time, find those little moments or spaces if you if you have them. And that's where we can evaluate. The other piece of this is that oftentimes we get into this um, comparison of what our friend is doing or what our aunt is doing or what our mom did or whatever. Comparison is the thief of joy. That's not my saying. That's someone else's, someone way smarter than me. And it is so true. So we're not trying to create a life that lives up to someone else's expectations. We're trying to create a life that works in your space. So what works for you? What stories are you telling yourself and old narratives that you're stuck in because of something that's happened in the past? Like, oh, well, I have to be like this or I have to get these things done. I will tell you one of the greatest things I stopped doing because I thought it was the right thing to do is go to bed with all the dishes done. For me personally, that doesn't work. I can go to bed now with the dishes in the sink and I know that they will still be there in the morning. And while I'm making my breakfast, I love the dishwasher. So for me, (laughs) just making that one little shift was huge. So I think stop comparing yourself and be open to stepping into a new way of thinking. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm quiet because I'm just like... (laughs) Are you chewing on that, Kira? (laughs) I just like, I'm a little bit moved. I like really needed to hear that, I think. Um, So thank you. I'm sort of amazed this is coming from a nutritionist. (laughs) See? You know, I mean, this is the thing is, you know... I don't know. I have many I told thoughts. you she was amazing, Kira. No, she you. is. She is. I'm like sitting here thinking about what it would be like to just leave my dishes in the sink and like, what yeah, would that, what would that mean? Right. <laughs> it means nothing. It only means what you make it mean. Yeah. Yeah. That, that idea of the comparison piece. I've heard that before, but you know how sometimes you hear it in a new way? Hmm. Like the idea that you have to build a life that's joyful for you. Like, I just, I don't know, that really struck me today. So apologies that I just sort of was silent, but I was like a little tear rolling down my cheek as I considered what you were saying. Yeah, I I think we spent way too much time trying to live life according to what works for other people when we need to look at what's working for us. 
And, you know, as a nutritionist, I do a lot of lifestyle coaching because I can tell you what to eat. I can get your body working the way it should work. But if it's not being put into a lifestyle that will accommodate it, all of those things are rendered useless. So lifestyle choices really do matter in your whole like wellness. Can you say more about that? Like, what does the lifestyle need to look like? I'm curious, like what that, because I that makes a ton of sense. I'm just really interested to hear like, what are those, what are those maybe structural shifts that have to happen in order to support what you're talking about? Yeah. I, and that's a really great question. A lot of times my clients, you know, I, I will have people come in and they'll be you know, really type A personalities, super driven, every minute of their day is budgeted. I don't know and, anyone like that. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, never, I've, I've never met anyone like that. Right. <laughs> I am a recovering version of that myself. <laughs> I've recently taken up um, reading just books that have nothing to do with anything, just like frivolous, I call them candy bar books, whatever your version of a candy bar book is. And, and like to sit and read for a half an hour, whereas before I would have felt so guilty, right, to not take the time to do that. Like, oh, what am I doing? I'm wasting time. It's like, no, I'm enjoying my life. Like, when did we stop living to enjoy our lives and trying to get everything done? So when you ask that question of like, what are those lifestyle things? It's, I think that goes back to the evaluation of how much of your life is the doing and how much of your life is a being. And we get stuck so hard in our doing, we forget to just sit in our being and enjoy. And how we, what that looks like is going to be different for every person. So the person who, like, I had a client this morning, she, you know, she schedules every single moment and, but she had gotten sick and she had to sit on the couch for like a couple hours. And when she did that, she was telling me, she goes, I felt so guilty because I wasn't doing anything. And I said, but you were being. You just were allowing yourself and listening to yourself. So for those people, it's about creating little pockets of time that allows for them to just plant a garden or whatever fills your cup, essentially. Like for me, it's reading things that don't have anything to do with someone else's poop, <laughs> you know, because that's what I spend <laughs> a lot of time reading about. <laughs> Digestive focused stuff. I spend a lot of time doing that. Um, you know, what, what does that look like for the other person on the other end who is less motivated, who, you know, is more spontaneous and, and loves the unstructured life for them, potentially it's like creating some, a little bit of structure in a day. And that can be very nourishing to the person and nourishing to their life because they're saying, oh, you know, the person on the, on the left side says, you know, I eat at eight and 10 and, you know, they're very structured. Whereas the person over on the right side might say, you know what, I, I don't even know when I eat. And so therefore they don't know what they're going to eat. And for that person, it might be creating a little bit more structure. So it, it's dependent on the person's personality, honestly, Kira, I, I don't know if that really answered your question or not. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, it, it it's, it's that holistic view, right? That like you can put all the right foods in your mouth, but if the lifestyle isn't matching the the point of doing that, then what's the point, right? Yeah. You're, you're, it's, it's sort of like what we talked about. We had an episode on happiness the other day, and we were saying, if you don't stop to actually notice that you're happy, you're never going to think that you're happy. And it's kind of that same idea, right? You have to actually be in the, in the life that you're trying to create. And if you're, if you're so busy doing that you're not being, then you won't even feel the effects of the nourishment that's in your body. Correct. I spend a lot of time coaching around um, people when they eat their food to just sit and eat 
like be present with your food for 10 minutes, set a timer, turn your phone upside down, don't do anything and just eat your food for 10 minutes. And I will tell you, that's one of the hardest exercises for my clients. One of the hardest ones to just eat their food without anything other than them and their food. But nutritionally, you get so much more out of that meal because you're present with it. It's really interesting, really interesting stuff. I'm, I'm not I'm, easy. I can no. attest. <laughs> no, I'm sitting here trying to picture myself, you know, with my kids swirling around me like mommy's eating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but I also completely hear what you're saying. That makes so much sense. Right. But modeling that for our kids. So oh, yeah, very I know important. it's so important, right? Right. It's, it's I'm just really fascinated. Um, I know you talk a lot about increasing our margin. I want to know what that means and how do we do that? Right. So when I talk about margin, and again, back with my client base and the coaching aspect of the, the work I do, it's really about creating space. And 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 kind of going back to that done list of how much are you doing during the day that you have, do you have any space for your being? So I kind of think of it as like um, you either like over like with money, for example, of analogy of money, it's like you've overextended your bank account and you're now you're in the red, but yet you still want to buy that pair of shoes. It's like, well, you really don't have the money to do it. So in this language, you would have no margin. You have no, no money. Or if you're someone who's like, oh, I really want to lose weight, but you're only eating a thousand calories, you think you're going to cut your calories more, you can't do it. You've backed yourself into a calorie corner and you have no margin. There's no space. So margin is that space. Um, and we want to increase that space so that there's breathing room. It's kind of like when you put on a really tight pair of pants and you and you think, oh, these fit really good. And you, you're excited about it. And then you leave the house and about half hour after you leave, you realize these pants are too tight. I can't breathe like I want to breathe. There's no margin. <laughs> these do not have lycra in them. <laughs> these are not my yoga pants. Um, no margin, no space. So margin is about creating that space. And what does that mean? It can look different for every person, right? So bio-individuality for one person, again, back to that, don't compare your what spaces you need to create versus your girlfriend, your best friend, your sister, like it's going to be different for every person. But what's the best way to do that? Make that done list. And then also look at it and say, am I over committing? Where, where am I doing all of this work and doing all of these things? And I've like over committed. A lot of my clients have a really hard time with this one phrase. It's a very simple word. I'm going to teach it to everyone right now. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's madness. I know. <laughs> I, I have, a, I, you know, I have lots of different types of clients, but I have one client. She's a mom. She has three kids and her kids are like in uh, Girl Scouts and then they do sports and all these things. I, I was never so happy for kind of this environmental change where all of our lives were kind of shut down like that. And it, it make it now everyone is can evaluate like, oh, okay, that's no longer there. The, all of those commitments are no longer there. So I'm no longer overscheduled. But we're about to, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but we're about to re-enter into some of our lives again. And this is a beautiful opportunity for you to use this word. No. No. So we, you can't do everything all day, all the time. And so most of the people who teach like planning and organizing, they'll say, pick your top three things, like make your list. If you're a list maker and 
Lord knows I love a good list maker. I love a good list. But you can't get every single thing that you want to do done. So make your list and pick your top three things that are the most important. Now, if you have more time and you want to get more done, great. But pick the things and pick the things that you're going to win at. What really stinks is when people pick something and it's like this big, long, big project. And then you don't get that pleasure of saying that you completed something. You should be able to get into bed at night and say, I did these three things. So what are those for you? evaluate when you're looking at those things. Is this really worth my time and energy? So is this going to feed my joy? Is this going to feed my life? Is this worth my time and energy? Am I getting back from this? So many things that we commit to or overcommit to, our time sucks and they they joy suck us and they just, you know, completely, I don't know, just bring us down. A big one, and this is my personal opinion, you can agree to disagree, and I honor and respect that, but the big one is social media. Like, for a lot of us, it's way too much time, energy suck, and we're not getting anything back into our lives from it at this point, in my opinion. That's one place that people can let go and create more margin in their lives. (laughs) Absolutely. And you're right, we're in kind of, I mean, a really unique time where we're poised in such a way that we can maybe make some choices that we kind of just fell into before where our life just got busier and busier. You heap on this and heap on that. And now I've added this commitment and I'm volunteering over here and it's all been stripped away. And so there are some things that will still be have tos, but we also have this great opportunity to get to choose some want tos. And I think as we go about deciding what activities to keep in our life as we kind of reemerge into a new normal, that's going to be really critical. So besides flexing our no muscle, because you talked about no, do you have other tips for parents as they try to go about, hey, what do I put back on my plate? Is it that idea of does this fill me or not? Are there, is it, hey, maybe I make the done list while I'm in quarantine and say, how am I spending my time and what do I want to add or not? What would you suggest? Yeah. I really love um, this idea of of observing our lives without judgment. I think that um, as we kind of emerge into what our new normal is, we need to like take a critical eye and look at those activities, but observe them without judgment and don't put them in the bad bucket or the good bucket. We tend to want to do that as a population, right? We tend to want to say, oh, well, that's bad because it did this, or this is good because it does that. But what if we just walked in and said, let me observe what this is without judgment and decide, is this something that's giving me energy or taking energy away? If it's giving me energy, then I want to include that when I go back in. And if it's something that wasn't, then take it out. Um, I feel like we don't do enough self-kindness or even build in our self-care. So as we're exiting the season of life we're in right now, we have more space to say, okay, I'm not going to put that activity back in for myself or for my child. Um, and instead I'm going to leave it empty and I'm going to guard it as empty time, you know, and I think we don't have enough time where we're just, we leave things empty because I think it's in the empty that that's when the creativity comes. That's when, um, and we're, we're experiencing that right now in some of the emptiness, right? Like Mm -hmm. people are getting super creative. There's so many cool things that are coming out of what we're experiencing. And I feel like, gosh, it's an opportunity to, to create, but if we don't leave space for that creation, it won't happen. Right. And I feel like for parents who have maybe tweens and teens is to really 
be in conversation with them, invite them into the conversation of what, what's been good for them about being in this space and what's not been good and what things that they feel like. Cause I feel like that would also inform the parents' decisions about what can, you know, what should it look like when you come back out. I recently read a um, statistic that more people, more Americans are eating dinner together in the this in this period of time since they have since the 50s. So the last time that people all ate together as we are right now as families was the 50s. So that was like, you know, a while wow. ago, right? And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And we all know, well, maybe because I just do the work I do around like that table time, valuable. Oh my goodness. And it's, yes, sometimes it's stressful, right? Like Kira, you were saying, you know, you might have kids that are younger and they're, you know, running around and mom, I need that. And I need this and I need that. But that's beautiful time right there. You can't, you can't buy that. You can't buy that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not time you get back. Yes. I'm so aware of that right now. I'm not quite sure why, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah it's so true. I love that. Um, I know that you like to talk about three ways that parents can empower themselves toward healthy, sustainable changes. I'm sure you've kind of touched on them. Can you lay them out in a, maybe a, a way that people like Dina and I would enjoy hearing it? Sure. <laughs> way, way number one. Way number one. <laughs> right. Us list people. Right. <laughs> Here are my three, no fail, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's like yeah. That. <laughs> right. Oh, I wish that parenting was that easy. When I was, uh, my kids were kind of just exiting high school and I had still had younger kids. Somebody said to me, they were like, is it easier to parent when your kids are really young or when they're older? And my answer was, yes. Because <laughs> it just it depends on your kids and their ages, right? So the, again, these these are just a couple things, and I did touch on um, one of them prior. But um, the I would say the first thing to do would be is prioritize meal times. That's a healthy, sustainable change, and whatever that looks like for your family. Maybe it's not all three meals. Maybe it's just one meal. Maybe it's just dinner time. But then make it special. You, like I said, you can't get that time back. That's valuable time. I remember when, uh, right before my daughter got married, all four of my kids were sitting around my table and this is, and my husband said, he goes, this is the last time the six of us will sit here and just be the six of us. And I was like, oh, I was so heavy. <laughs> like we never all ride in the car together as a family, like all those things you just don't think about. So I know that some people with small kids right now are just like, Oh, lady, you just don't even remember what it's like to have small children. And I, I, I probably don't. But I can tell you that when you get to the other end, and you're that last meal as your family, it's, it's really like, oh, heartaching. You know, you realize that things are changing. It just won't be the way it was. And not, not for the bad, for the better, but prioritize mealtimes. That would be the one thing, one of my tips. Because part, part of that goes back to um, what you prioritize as a parent, your kids pick up on and, and they will, you know, that's something that they're going to remember back on, you know, Oh, we always ate dinner together as a family or whatever that looks like. So if you can prioritize that, start with a small win. So I always try to have 
um, we call it the golden goal or the small win for the day. So have one thing for sure that I talked about three, but have one thing for sure that when you get in bed at night, you can say, yes, I did that. <laughs> and that can be, you know, something like as it relates to health, whether it, you know, when you go to uh, menu plan, if you're a menu planner, if you're not, if you're kind of a winger, a wing, you kind of wing things, it's like buy one new vegetable or make one new recipe, try something different, but start with something small and little. That's a small win that makes you get into bed and go, yes, I accomplished something today. Cause there will be days that you do more, but you need that. Some days you just need the one win. And my last one is um, to empower yourself towards healthy, sustainable changes is be okay with support. So an equally powerful word outside of the no is, can I get some help or can I get support? I don't think that we ask for help or support enough as parents, and we try to just plow through and do it all on our own. Um, be okay with asking for support. And in the area of nutrition, I, I kind of joke with my clients. I say, you know, buy bagged pre-cut vegetables, like buy the salad bag, throw the dressing away, throw all the little things that they put in there. But now your salad is pre-cut. And now you're eating a salad and you didn't have to do any of the work. So it's a beautiful way to increase nutrition and still, and you've got support because you didn't have to prep all the veggies. And because a lot of times that's what I'll hear from in my seat of, you know, people will say, oh, it's just too much work to do all that. Be okay with asking for support. And sometimes support can look like a season where you have a person come in and help you with house cleaning. I, when my kids were younger, I had a woman that came and she just cleaned the bathrooms. That's it. I, and everything else I did. But that was great because I, I knew at least once a week, the bathrooms were clean for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so those are kind of my three things that I would suggest for ways that people can help themselves. I love that. And we talk all the time, Kira and I, about getting help and how we're fans of everything from the help of a listening ear of a friend all the way to please have a therapist. I mean, yes. all of that. So, I mean, we couldn't agree more. That's so true. And I think we live, unfortunately, sometimes in a culture where we really don't want to admit when we need help. And then even when we realize inside we need help, it's really challenging to ask for it. Right. So that's really important. Yeah. Well, I, I could talk to you for hours, but you already know that. So maybe you can tell our listeners how they can find you if they might want to work with you or just want to learn more about what you do. Tell us all the things, your website, where are you on social media? Let us know how to connect with you. Yeah. So my website is my name, andreadalman.com, and you can find me there. I always have a free freebie um, in the top right-hand corner of my um, website. So if you're and I change that out about once a quarter. So, you know, if you come on over, you can get a free gift there. Um, it's to this time, I think this month until the end of the month, it's immune support guide. So if you want to learn how to support your immune system, I have a free guide there. Uh, you can find me on social media channels, Facebook, uh, Instagram as Redeeming Nutrition. That's my handle out there in the social media world. Awesome. And you work virtually, right? So you can help people all over. Right. I have a virtual practice. I came home two years, closed my physical offices and came home two years ago and now practice exclusively um, virtually. And I see people from all over the U.S. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again. This has been super helpful. I, ha I have to admit, I have to out myself. When you first said about the done list, that ended up being a really revolutionary idea, by the way. I hadn't heard it 
given that take before, but I thought you meant writing down the things you've already done. And I was like, I love this idea. I sometimes add things to my to-do list that I've already done just so I can have the pleasure of checking them off. <laughs> so it was awesome because I went into listening to you with my total type A hat on. And then I was like, oh, that's not what she meant at all. <laughs> so that was really great. I definitely had never heard of the done list that way before, just evaluating how we spend our time. That's really powerful stuff. So thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me today. Wow. Well, I laughed. I cried. I felt feelings. <laughs> wonderful. She's fabulous. Holy cow. Yeah. You can see why I enjoy working with her. I always learn so much, not just about my physical health, but holistically as a person. So I'm just glad our FFPs can benefit from that. And you know, I haven't said, those of you who might be newer listeners, if you hear us call you FFPs, it stands for Future Focused Parents. So that's what we call our audience because we know you're all out there trying to be intentional and proactive in your parenting. We're all about acronyms and ways to shorten things. So if you hear that, that's what we mean. And we want you to know if you're a newer listener that we are, we are talking to you as well. Well, hopefully this has been helpful to all of you and you're going to be able to implement some actual strategies to get your own a sense of rather kind of this, how do I build a life I love? And at, at a really unique time where you really can have the chance to do it. So I, I really encourage you to take some of those tips that Andrea shared, to use them, to look at how you're spending your time, evaluate if that fills your cup, and look at how you can grow as we reemerge into whatever this new normal ends up looking like. And we look forward to being back with you next week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room and partially in Dina's bonus room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>